I'm Michelle, certified personal trainer and certified nutrition coach. And I'm Marissa, and I'm a certified nutrition coach and group fitness instructor. And this is the Strong and Simple Podcast. We're tackling the latest fads, trends, and hot topics in the nutrition, wellness, and fitness industries using science and conversation to bust myths and give you the information you need to navigate the bullshit. Tune in for your twice a week truth bombs every Tuesday and Friday. We, Michelle Farrell and Marissa Zabo of the Strong and Simple Podcast, reside on Pawtucket land. We acknowledge the land and the Pawtucket people, as well as the land and the people of the many Native nations of whom the land belongs. To respect and honor them and their land, as well as to be mindful of the harm colonialism has and continues to do on the Indigenous people of the United States and the world. This land acknowledgement is our commitment to support Indigenous peoples and their voices in the struggle against systemic oppression and for human rights, as well as to push against the cancelling and erasure of their history, their stories, their culture, and their present. We encourage you to visit native-land.ca to discover whose land you are residing on, as well as ways to support Indigenous folks. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Strong and Simple podcast. Michelle, and I'm here with Marissa today, and we are going to give you an overview of macros. Not everything you need to know about macros, because that could literally take us a novel. We could teach a whole class. (laughs) We could teach a whole class, and people do teach whole classes. Yes. About macros. Um, Nobody wants to hear that from us. No, no. (laughs) I I don't necessarily think that it's super duper necessary for overall health and wellness for you to know every little in and out about macros, but because macros, I feel like we could make this into a drinking game here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Let's take a shot of my coffee here. You say, why are we Um, drinking in the morning? Or it's like the word of the day on Pee Wee's Playhouse. Remember Pee Wee's Playhouse? Yeah. Like macros. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) But in all seriousness, um, macros is just a fancy, or it's been fancified because it's not even that fancy. It's literally just the word to describe the big nutrients. Um, (laughs) right so like in the nutrition world we have macronutrients and then we have micronutrients the micronutrients are vitamins and minerals macronutrients are when we're talking about carbohydrates protein fats and to some extent alcohol um (laughs) you want to throw it into that category um so marissa do you want to kind of kick us off here with just an overview of macros. I can definitely do that. So yeah. So macronutrients, right. As we've talked about, it's literally referring to like the size of the compound. Um, but also when you think about it, it's kind of also can be applied to like the amount of it that our body requires, right? We only need small amounts of the micronutrients, but we need a lot more of the macronutrients. So it's good that they're bigger. It works out. (laughs) 
bigger. It's almost like all of this was like somehow by design so that we don't just die as a race or whatever, a a species. I don't know what humans are. (laughs) What are humans? That is a bigger question for a bigger day. Just got existential. (laughs) So anyway, macronutrients. So there are three types, as Michelle said. Um, The first and probably the one that you have heard the most about is carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. Um, So what are they? Are they a big deal? Is it okay to cut them out? We'll get to that last part later. But so carbohydrates are basically our body's primary fuel source is really kind of like their number one function. Um, And so what happens is we consume carbohydrates. Carbohydrates are found in grains, legumes, fruits, vegetables, sweets. Did I miss anything? Uh, You said whole grains, grains in general, um, bread, which comes from grains. Yeah, I think it's covered. I think you covered Um, So you eat these foods and then as your body is digesting those foods, it breaks them down into carbohydrates and then further down into glucose, which is a simple sugar. And that is once it's broken down into glucose, our body either uses it immediately for energy, or if we don't have an immediate need for it, it gets stored for later use in the form of glycogen. Mm. And then if we don't have an immediate use, if our glycogen stores are full, then what is left over is converted and stored as fat. Um, and it's not a whole ton, right? So there's this myth out there that carbohydrates are like immediately turned into fat. Carbohydrates make you fat. This is not true. <laughs> we need carbohydrates. Um, <clears throat> an interesting fact is, um, so first of all, carbs are the our body's primary fuel source because our bodies use carbs most efficiently. It's relatively easy for our bodies to take carbohydrates and turn them into energy. Um, our brain in particular has a really hard time using anything but carbohydrates for energy. And unlike the rest of our body, our brain doesn't have its own stores of glycogen. It can't store glucose for later. So as soon as it runs out of what it's got, you need to be feeding it more and more so that it can continue to function at its best. So it's important to have a consistent supply of carbs to fuel your brain. And you may have heard of the term keto fog, um, which happens to folks that are on a very low carb or a ketogenic diet when they're not eating enough carbohydrates and they start to feel like maybe their brain isn't firing on all cylinders. Maybe they're forgetful. Their performance isn't as great. It's because your brain's screaming at you to give it some carbohydrates for energy. (laughs) Um, Yes. Absolutely. So energy is a big source. And then also carbohydrates are also a source of fiber for us. And we know fiber helps us poop regularly, which is super important, (laughs) kind of a day ruiner if you don't get your BM in. Um, And fiber can also help with waste removal from our body. Um, It's been shown to decrease serum cholesterol, all kinds of really good things. And again, I'm not going into minute detail here because you don't need it right now. Um, so that's carbohydrates. So, I mean, Marissa, that also makes sense that, especially on days when we feel maybe we didn't get a good night's sleep the night before, or, um, had a really hard workout the day before, like maybe we ran a race or we're in, you know, a weightlifting competition or something, Mm -hmm. um, or just like stressed, 
we might have a craving for carbo, like for, for, we might find ourselves like reaching for the Triscuits or reaching for the, you know, bread or whatever. And that would make sense because if we're tired, we're low energy, our body is saying, give me some fuel, help me out. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you're somebody who you like to participate in like high intensity exercise activities a lot, um, or, you know, really, I mean, any type, even in endurance exercise too, because carbs help jumpstart that energy production process. Carbs are going to be really, really important for that because we can burn them quickly. If you need energy quickly, you need your carbohydrates. We can use fat for energy. It doesn't happen as quickly. Um, so definitely an important, very, really important role for carbs. I hate that carbs got such a bad rep because they're really important and they also taste really good. I don't think I've ever met a carb I dislike. Nope. I haven't. Um, no, not particularly. No. Not particularly. Um, I think that they also in the, the low carb, I mean, we're still living in a world where low carb is a put up on a pedestal yeah. um, of like the ultimate way to lose weight. And it is, and I guess, you know, we'll hold on to that until afterwards, because I want you to talk about protein and fat, and then this might make more sense for folks um, yeah. as to why. So carbohydrates are really important for us, mm-hmm. but they are also um, easy to eat. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, but We'll let you talk about fats and proteins first. I got this. All right. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Fat. (laughs) So as I just Mm. mentioned, fat is a source of energy for our body, but it's not as efficient of a source of energy for our body. We convert fat into energy much more slowly. Um, some folks listening might've heard of something called the Krebs cycle. Um, so when you are involved in exercise for longer periods of time and you're not doing it at a super high intensity, you're burning more fat for energy than you are carbohydrates. Um, it takes a while to kick in and then you cannot persist at high intensities with that. I'm not going into a lot of detail there. So fat, it's a source of energy. It also forms the structures of our bodily cells, like our cell membranes. Um, It assists in the absorption of certain vitamins, namely fat soluble vitamins. It's also important for the formation of hormones in our body. And this is like the tip of the iceberg. There are other functions for fat in the body, but I just listed those as kind of like the major hitters. And you can find fat in things like dairy, eggs, animal protein, fatty fish, coconut, avocado, seeds, nuts. I think that's everything. <laughs> so that's fat in a nutshell. <laughs> see what I did there? I, I see what you did there. <laughs> it was delicious. <laughs> so honey. <laughs> and then protein. <clears throat> so protein's primary role in our body is to rebuild, repair, and recover. Protein is the building block of our bodily structures, our bodily tissues. It also helps in injury recovery and also recovery from physical activity. It is the building blocks of our immune system. Our immune system function is dependent on adequate protein intake. And as you exercise and you're getting ripped and you're building strength, protein has a role in that too. It helps you heal, rebuild, and strengthen your muscles um, from exercise. 
So that's its big role in our body. Um, protein can also be a supply of energy, but it is like a last resort for energy. It's pretty rare for um, somebody to have protein being used for energy in their body. So protein gets a whole lot of hype, especially in um, low calorie diets. And that's because protein digests relatively slowly. So it helps you feel full for longer. And if you are in a calorie deficit, if you're on a low calorie diet, eating sufficient protein is really important to avoid or minimize any breakdown of your muscle tissue as well. So that's protein in a nutshell. And you can find protein in nuts in animal proteins, animal products, uh, things like soy, tofu, tempeh, eggs, fish, poultry, uh, nuts. Did I say nuts? I think I, I said, said nuts. nuts. You say dairy. Dairy. <laughs> so I think this is, an so folks listening, you might notice that there's a lot of overlap here and mm -hmm. where you can find fats, carbohydrates, and proteins. And that's because many food products are not just solely protein or just solely carbohydrates or just solely fats. They oftentimes have a blend of two or even three of them. Mm -hmm. um, and that's by design. Thanks, yeah. nature. And um, <laughs> so when people Plus are talking nature. about, um, a, you know, protein food sources or high fat sources or high, it's because of what Ever macro is the most dominant in that source. Mm -hmm. So like beans, black beans, they are primarily a carbohydrate. They also have protein in them, which is great, especially for folks following a plant-based diet. However, there's more carbohydrates in black beans than there is protein when you break it down. So mm -hmm. that's, you know, important. That's the thing about, um, Nuts, like peanuts, peanut butter has protein in it. It's nice for a little bump when you're trying to bump up your protein with things, mm -hmm. but it's primarily fat. Yeah. Which is not a bad thing. It's not, nope. a, it's just, it is what it is. Like we think about it neutrally. So um, when folks are like talking about like carb sources, protein sources, fat sources, we're looking at like, what is the dominant macro yeah. in the food source? Yeah. Yeah. I think that that also translates to the importance of eating a wide variety of foods mm. in your diet so that you're getting a good distribution of the different macros as well as the different micronutrients. Um, when we're talking about protein, you'll hear people talk about essential amino acids, right? If you're eating animal sources of protein, you're getting all nine essential amino acids. If you're eating primarily plant-based, you want to make sure you're not eating the same sources of plant protein all the time so that you're able to get all of those amino acids. Mm -hmm. um, likewise, it's important to make sure you're consuming different types of fat. There are different types of fats that all play a role in our diet. So being able to eat a variety helps make sure you're getting a good distribution of macros, micros, and then even the, the variation within those categories too. Truth. Mm -hmm. So um, those are those. What happens when we count them, Michelle? <laughs> those are yeah. those. <laughs> What's wrong with me? <laughs> so yeah, so 
you folks listening might be like, we'll get to the gist. I hear so much about um, hiring. There's a lot of macro coaches out there. And <laughs> okay, so I have mixed feelings about this because I think that understanding the types of foods that you are eating and mm -hmm. understanding what a sample and remember servings and portions are a recommendation. That's not something that's like set in stone. Like a right. serving of oatmeal may not be enough for you. Yeah. Might be just enough. It might be too much right in any given moment. So it's a suggestion, but by knowing in that serving, I just had oatmeal this morning. That's why it's on my brain, but <laughs> those carbs are in my brain, giving me energy. Um, <laughs> So in the oatmeal, it's nice, It's good to know that I'm getting carbohydrates. I'm also getting some protein in there. And I usually throw some protein powder and some powdered protein, um, peanut butter in there for some extra um, protein to balance that meal out uh, for myself. That's what I need um, to make me feel satisfied and also to give me lasting energy throughout the morning. Anyways, I digress. So I think, especially for folks who have been in a endless cycle of calorie counting diets or even point systems, container systems, whatever, having an understanding of um, macros and what those look like in the foods that they are consuming mm -hmm. can be really helpful when making sure that you're eating enough. Because we live in a culture and society where we are often, especially as women, told to cut out, cut out, cut out, cut back, cut, cut, cut back, cut, cut, ugh, cut back. And then we like, <laughs> don't, it's really fucking scary to eat more. Yeah. And when you are also, most of the women that I am working with, our strength training and mm -hmm. also really enjoy high intensity or moderate intensity cardio activities like spin class, running, Zumba, things like that. Yeah. Um, and when you're doing that much activity, you need to be eating more and you especially need to be eating protein and carbohydrates. Yeah. So I find that <clears throat> focusing in on those macronutrients, not being super rigid, and it's all different. These are just what we're talking about today in this episode are general recommendations. Everybody's body is different. Everybody's mm -hmm. goals are different. So what you're being, what you're looking for is going to work different. And so come in macro coaches. And I almost, I forgot to look up the history of this, Marissa, but I feel like, and maybe you know better than I do, um, a connection to um, like bikini competitions, bodybuilding competitions, mm. um, even powerlifting competitions, mm. physique competitions. When you are getting into that level of um, nutrition and fitness management, your macro breakdowns are going to be really important. Yeah. Those are also not meant to be a lifelong lifestyle. Mm -hmm. 
No. When you talk to folks who are actually in these competitions or even fitness models, they are not eating like that and they're not looking like that all the time. It is right. very unsustainable for almost everybody. Yeah. It's like she, competition season, yeah. normal life season. Yeah. And I would say even for athletes, like, um, you're probably eating differently during the season versus off season. Yep. So income macro coaches, and there's all sorts of macro certifications out there. And it's usually used now for general population weight loss and weight management. Mm. And, um, it is touted as a non-diet way of losing weight. Right. You're not because you're not calories. counting calories. <laughs> However, if you are manipulating your food intake and your energy output for the purpose of losing weight, you are dieting. Yes. And like if you choose to do that, it's your body, your choice. However, it's just I think it's important to recognize that counting macros just like counting points or counting containers is still a way even if what you eat fits into your macros you're still putting rules and parameters around what you eat yep so macros counting macros comes from this idea and maybe you've heard of the zone diet i think this was pretty popular it was like the late 90s early 2000s yeah. And the zone diet, what they did was um, they took the, the recommended daily amount of carbohydrates, protein, and fat. So the recommended daily amount of carbohydrates for adults is 45 to 65% of your daily diet. Protein is 10 to 35%. And then fat is 20 to 35%. And now so that's you a percentage be- of your daily calorie intake. Um, so what, so yeah, so if you are, so usually when you look at a nutrition label, um, you see based on a 2000 calorie diet, so 10 to 10 to 35% of those 2000 calories or whatever your calorie intake is should be protein, right? Mm -hmm. 45 to 65% of those calories should be carbohydrates, 20 to 35 should be fat. You mm-hmm. might be saying, well, those are huge ranges. And that's because human beings, there is a huge amount of diversity. If you are a more active person, you are going to lean more heavily towards the higher end of the range for carbohydrates and protein. Yep. Um, and then if you are following specific diets like keto, then you're going to see those ranges being completely the opposite of what I recommend to most people. (laughs) (laughs) Same. (laughs) Imagine that. So the zone diet, when it became popular, it took these macros, recommended daily amounts for the purpose of weight loss and weight management to be 40, 30, 30. So 40% carbohydrates, 30% protein, 30% fat. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it, it, when reading about the zone diet, um, it is something that worked very well for folks, but then was very hard to sustain trying to stay into those parameters all the time. Yep. Um, 
so when we are working on macro counting, when you're working with a macro coach, you are likely working with them to create macro ratios that are more specific to your individual goals. And then working with the coach can make those more specific to your unique body needs in relation to your goals. Mm -hmm. So if you do have, especially if you want to do a bikini competition, you're doing a bodybuilding <laughs> competition. If you're at that level and that's like something you want to do, um, somebody who understands macros and working with that population of people in competitions is going to be really useful for you. Um, should everybody do it? <clears throat> I, I think that um, it can be the proverbial slippery slope. If you are yeah. somebody who already has a history of disordered eating or a history of eating disorders, mm -hmm. it can be very much a slippery slope of getting back into that obsessiveness with trying to fit your macros every day. So yeah. if you do go down the road of paying attention to your macros and that's something you start to notice that obsessiveness starting to happen again, that's when you need to seek the help of a professional um, yeah. who specializes in these things. Yeah. I feel like because, I mean, like when I think of macro counting, cause I'm not a math person, let me be honest. I fucking hate it. Um, and I think about like having to figure out like what proportion of my daily intake each of those macros is. I'm like, that's too much fucking math for me. This is too much work. <laughs> but I feel like because you have to be that much more like analytical and like thoughtful about it every day, I, and I don't have data to back this up, but my instincts are saying that this could be an even easier way to become a little too focused or obsessive because it requires so much attention. Um, I think on the other, the flip side, as, as we were saying, it can also be really easy to burn out on that and it's not sustainable. But if you are somebody who is um, susceptible to disordered eating, signing up for something like this, where you have to be analyzing literally everything that you're eating thinking about the grand picture of the whole day, you got to kind of pre-plan out your day. You have to look at each snack and each meal and figure out how it fits in. I feel like that could be could make it even that much more likely for you to start having some, some concerning issues with this kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 A hundred percent. Um, and like I said before, I do think that, so for a lot of the women that I work with who are just used to not eating enough, yeah, focusing in on getting a good amount of protein, figuring out like how much protein are you getting now? And then slowly increasing that amount can be a tweak that is like a game changer um, mm -hmm. for a lot of people. And that oftentimes helps to then focus in on also, it's, it also seems less scary to start eating more protein than it is to start eating more carbohydrates. Like that can feel less scary when you're making that transition and then starting to notice how this feels for you in your body. Um, and how your workouts start feeling. And, you know, this is why nutrition is also so individualized. Like we can talk here about general recommendations, but just like these RDA recommendations, the ranges are so huge because there is so much 
body diversity and workout and fitness diversity, right? So Mm -hmm. what a somebody training for the Boston marathon tomorrow, what their macros looks like is going to be totally different than what a new mom's macros look like, right? Um, it's going to be, my macros will look different than what your macro needs look like. And they could look different from month to month, from week to week. Yep. Yep. So, um, like we were talking about with the athletes off season and on season nutrition is going to look different. Yeah. going to look different. So I do feel that the more knowledge you can have, the more empowered you can be to make the best decisions for you and your body. So I'm really glad that we're doing this episode Mm. because I think the term macros has been taken by diet culture to be like this weight loss miracle pill, essentially. And counting macros can work for folks who are trying to lose weight and it can be beneficial for some people, but it just like things that are beneficial for some people, it may not also be beneficial for everybody. Yeah. Um, which is why working with a coach or in a small group type of program can be really useful to, you know, help you try to navigate that. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. Just kind of like what you do in your, um, your empowered eating journal, right? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Talk about that a little bit, like how you help people with that. Yeah. I mean, so and I think this is actually a good opportunity for, for both of us to talk a little bit about being non-diet nutrition coaches. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that's really confusing to a lot of people because it's like, well, then how are you coaching nutrition if you're not coaching a diet? And you can be eating in a healthful, nutritious manner without being on a diet. Um, and as the more you listen to this podcast, I think you're going to hear more and more of the ways in which diets are problematic and why Michelle and I avoid utilizing those types of tools with our clients. But, you know, data, as Michelle was saying, really is important for so many things. And if you're trying to change your eating habits, you need to understand them. So you need to understand how you got where you are. Those habits didn't pop up overnight. How did you get to where you are with your eating habits, with your thoughts and your mentality about food? what do your current habits look like, right? Actually examining what they are, what is your current mentality? And then once you have an understanding of where it came from, what it currently is and what you really want it to be, then you're able to start making changes, but you should be doing it in a way that's really incremental and sustainable and balanced. And so that's that's why I created my Empowered Eating Journal was to kind of, in the absence of having me right there with you, which ideally you do, <laughs> but on the flip side of that, having this journal that can walk you through some exercises to help you gather that data and help you get that better understanding and take a balanced approach, especially if you are someone who knows calorie counting, macro counting, restricting does not work well for you. I think it's important to have alternatives. Yeah. yeah. So we will link the journal in the show notes. Um, if anybody's interested in checking that out, it is a really great tool. It's pretty. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, what I primarily do when I'm working with folks is looking at, in terms of nutrition, um, because we're not focusing on weight loss. And that might be a goal of some of my clients, um, <laughs> but we're not specifically working on it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if they want to do 
check-ins on the scale, that's good for them. Um, but I'm never asking for that from folks. Yep. So um, what I do is we look at how can we optimize nutrition for the level of fitness and or training that they are doing, um, especially as they are in perimenopause or the menopause transition or post-menopause when there's also all these like hormone things going on, things, yep. hormone things, second <laughs> puberty, essentially. Thing. Yeah. So hormone you Olympics, know, <laughs> you know, when your body is like doing all these things that you're not necessarily, you're like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. Um, helping you figure out what is nourishing for you and also fueling your fitness so that it's sustainable. And so you're not burning out. So you are, you know, hopefully sleeping better at night, managing stress better. Um, so that's what we do. Mm, definitely. I wanted, I've been wanting to go back to your point about being afraid of increasing carbs. Mm. Um, because, I, I think especially like our age group, right. Having grown up through the nineties, watching our parents and other adults in our life transition from the low fat craze to the low carb mm -hmm. craze. And then our older formative years being enveloped with, I mean, basically keto low carb has been like the thing since the nineties. Um, and I don't think that folks realize how being surrounded by that really can permeate our brains, whether we realize it or not. And we very subconsciously have all of these kind of old rules and something that I've noticed working with my nutrition clients a couple of times, this isn't just one client. This has been several times. Now this, this thought has come up for them that, oh, I've already had two carbs today. I can't have any more like this, this notion that you're only supposed to have carbs so many times a day, mm -hmm. which isn't a real thing, but we've been led to believe that because of all these low carbon keto diets. And what's been interesting for me as a coach to see is, is these are clients that know otherwise they know that that's not a thing, but there's still this like eking voice in the back of their head as they're, you know, going out to dinner and they're like, oh, I really want to get some pasta. Oh, but I had a sandwich on bread for lunch and I had oatmeal for breakfast. So maybe I shouldn't. Mm -hmm. And they act, you know, they recognize that and they'll eventually, you know, start to kind of counter that. But even knowing that that's not a thing, that thought still comes up and they still have to combat it. And I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is if this is you, it's not your fault and you're not alone. And it is so widespread. And like, I mean, I'm a nutrition coach for Christ's sake. I'm trained in this stuff. And I still have those days where I'm like, have I had too many carbs today? And then I'm like, you, you know, sometimes I actually have to go through this thought process of literally, okay, these are all the things that you did today. You know that you need carbohydrates for energy. If you're craving these carbohydrates, your body's telling you something, you know, so it's not something you can solve overnight. So if you're somebody who's trying to work through those thoughts, be gentle with yourself. Mm -hmm. It might never go away. Um, but you're doing the right thing by actively pushing back against those thoughts and that mindset. Um, but it is, it can be really scary for, for folks to think about basically it's like, you're like bucking the curb, right? <laughs> like yeah. you're, you're fighting against this thing that you've heard your entire life. 
Um, so I loved that you brought up that point about it can be scary to think about increasing your carbs because of that. Um, and I just want to validate that for folks. Yeah, I think the low fat, it's even um, when you buy low fat yogurt and you're like, why am I buying low fat yogurt? I can go ahead and get the regular. And then you realize that when you have just regular yogurt <laughs> that has fat in it, it's so filling and it's so rich and it's yeah. so creamy. Um, and then you also realize that when you were eating low or no fat, like dairy products in particular, hmm. they're replacing the fat with sugar. Yeah. They got to put something. They have to put something in. So now you're just getting more sugar, which that's a whole episode for another day. Oh, yeah. um, the demonization of sugar. And now if you are somebody who has a medical condition, if you are diabetic, work with a registered dietitian to help manage your symptoms and manage your eating. So when we're talking in this episode about carbohydrates and things, we're not necessarily speaking to folks with um, medical conditions that might need a specialized treatment for controlling the symptoms of that. Thank you for keeping us from getting sued. <laughs> I appreciate you. <laughs> I mean, well, first I don't want to get sued, but also like, yeah. <laughs> but it's dangerous. Yeah. I think there's like some common sense here too, but also like, don't be, if you have a medical condition, work with a registered dietitian who specializes in that condition. Please yeah. do not be getting your information from podcasts, Pinterest, Instagram, body coaches, yeah. like just, you know, yeah. um, because that's, it's your needs are different than my needs and the general population's needs. So I just like that little disclaimer out there. Um, so yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that was my thought Um, on that note, (laughs) on that note, and you can work with a nutrition coach. If you do have a medical condition Mm -hmm. who is also consulting with a registered dietitian, as long as it's not a nutrition coach mm-hmm. who's trying to give you a meal plan to treat your condition. Yes. Yes. Okay. So that's, yeah. that's different too. Yes. And there are some out there that will try to do that. Don't, don't just don't just be safe out there. <laughs> yeah. Safe. My friends. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I know I think- Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I know we had mentioned like talking a little bit more about like eliminating carbs um, I think we did a mini soda on low carbon keto diets, but mm-hmm. should we recap that for folks or I don't know. Why don't we link the, the carb episode yeah. in the show notes and then folks can find that there. And yep. then if you have other questions about macros, you have other questions about carbohydrates or protein, send them to us at strong and simple podcast at gmail.com. Or you can comment um, on the website. Yeah, we have a website. Strongandsimplepodcast.com. Send us an Instagram message, whatever, and let us know what what your questions are. And we will either do an episode together or we can try to find a guest um, Mm -hmm. who in that area of expertise, um, because we want to be bringing these episodes to answer your questions what you need, what you are looking for. So please reach out with any of those. Yep. And if this was helpful, 
We always appreciate um, your following or subscribing to the podcast um, mm -hmm. and leaving us a review and letting us know what your thoughts are. So that helps other folks find us. Absolutely. Thanks for showing us some love. Thanks for listening. And I hope everybody has a great week. Weekend. These come out on Fridays. Weekend. Weekend. <laughs>content of this podcast represents the views and opinions of Michelle Farrell, Marissa Zabo, and their guests, and is not intended to be individualized advice or recommendations. Nothing in this episode is to be construed as medical advice or to substitute for individualized fitness or nutrition advice. Always consult with the appropriate professional for your own needs.